Well, you might have noticed uh, that it's been kind of a different year. Um, I'm not sure what it's been like for each person individually, but I will say that it's been a fairly easy generalization to say that life has changed dramatically for us. You can pretty much go through the last year and look at all of the different things that you've had to change personally as a family. Uh, travel plans changed. School plans changed. Financial uh, situations changed dramatically. Housing situations changed for a lot of people. Things have been put on the shelf. Maybe dreams or ideas about the future have been put on the shelf because of COVID and the ramifications of having a global pandemic. It's been a different kind of year. Now, these last few weeks have started to be different even than the previous year. And I don't know, what, again, what your experience has been, but you're starting to see things happen where life is coming back into play very quickly. I mean, even just looking right across, I see a parking lot full of cars. Like, soccer season is starting to happen. Our, uh, we had Zoom calls with Jeremy's coaches, and they both said, all right, there's going to be about 25 games in the next two months. Like, life just accelerated extremely quickly as COVID starts to lessen, the numbers start to go down, the tears start to change, people start to think differently, and movement is happening where life is kind of reestablishing itself in our, in our worlds. And so that means that right now is a pretty key and pivotal time for us as a church. In fact, I'd even go so far as to say it's a, it's a prophetic moment for us as a people to determine what kind of life we are going to step back into. It's not too often that in your life you get a quasi-blank slate to reestablish the way that you want to live your life. It's not too often that your habits and patterns change so dramatically that you then have an opportunity to choose intentionally what to put back in as life reestablishes itself. But right now is actually one of those seasons. If we let it be, if we allow this season to be what I think God may want to use it for, we have an opportunity to step back into life differently than the way that it was before. Uh, I love our house. Uh, Kristen and I, we, we bought our house about six years ago. We really do enjoy where we live. It's been such a gracious gift to have a, a roof over our heads and bedrooms for our kids and bathrooms and all of those kinds of things. But God forbid if that house were to ever burn to the ground. If you were to go to my wife and ask her, would you want to build it back exactly as it was before? Guess what she would say? No, no, I get a blank slate. I get to start fresh. I get to do all kinds of things. I imagine, Laura, you'd be in a similar situation and maybe even dream about that happening once every six months so you can just start fresh. For some of us, personality-wise, we love the idea of starting fresh and saying, okay, I want to be selective about what I put back in. For others of us, that's a little bit ter terrifying and paralyzing. Stuff changed. And I just can't wait for it to get back to the way that it was before. All I want in the whole wide world is my life from a year and three weeks ago. But regardless of your personality or how you feel about that, things did change. And right now is a time of choosing how you want to rebuild. 
Rob mentioned very briefly that we're calling the church to an all-church fast starting next Sunday. I don't know what your experience is with fasting. Uh, Today's message is actually going to be about fasting. I'm going to teach on fasting because the reality is that for many of us as followers of Jesus, it's not a regular practice. It's not something that we do uh, on a regular basis. It's a spiritual discipline that, uh, that maybe exists in other parts of the world, in other parts of Christendom, but not necessarily in our own lives. Uh, We've heard surveys from other churches. We've never done the same survey in our own church, but upwards of 90% of friends of ours, local church friends of ours, uh, people don't fast on any kind of a regular basis. And that, I would imagine, is probably pretty similar to a church like this. But as we were getting ready for what is our annual fast, we've been doing this each year for the last three years, and seeing the reemergence of life and culture and activity and things just kind of storming the gates of our households again, we felt like the Lord was opening a door for us to fast with great intentionality, to use the fast for a specific purpose, and that is to determine by devoting ourselves to God's presence, Lord, what is it that you have for me to put back into my life? What are you doing with this reshaping and remolding of who I am and how I live and what I spend my time, my energy, my money, my thought, my spiritual gifts on. Lord, what are you going to do to reshape me right now? Now, one of the things that kind of tends to happen is uh, it's hard to do a full-blown rebuild of our lives in full-speed motion. And so calling the church to a fast is an opportunity for us to do things differently for an intentional block of time so that we can be purposeful about hearing from the Lord. And so with that, I want to take some time. I want to teach on what fasting is and why we would do it. Just, it'll be quick. It'll take 10 minutes or so to teach on what fasting is. And then I want to revisit why right now, We are calling the entirety of the church to participate in a fast together and what we believe God is going to say to us in this season of fasting. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up uh, to the book of Luke. We're going to start here. Uh, I was going to ask you to raise your hands about who's fasted before, but I'm not going to do that. You you guys know if you've chosen to fast or not fast, uh, if that's ever been a part of your life, but Here's the interesting thing about fasting is there is never a moment in the scriptures where fasting is commanded, not once. It's not anything that is law at any point, not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. There's never a point where God comes to his people and says, I have a thing that I want you to do. I want you to go without food for a period of time so that I can speak to you. That's not how it goes. In fact, it's kind of interesting. The first time fasting gets mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Judges, it's actually just a a group of people that are in crisis, and they decide to go without food to ask the Lord for his help. Again, it's not even really clearly articulated what they're supposed to do or what God would want them to do or what a fast is supposed to look like. We don't have a ton of information about fasting. But we did see throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New, that fasting became a regular part of the life of God's people as they sought his presence in a couple of different ways. There are three main times that fasting is used in the Bible. 
The first is in crisis. Some major situation was happening. An army was attacking. Uh, there, uh, David, when he was being chased by Saul, there were different situations where crisis moments were happening, and people said, okay, it's crisis. I need to go without food so I can focus. Who in their right mind says, I need to go without food so I can focus? Has anybody ever focused better when they weren't eating? Maybe you might raise your hand, but I'll just say, my brain goes a little wonky when I choose not to eat. But that's what they said. So they started fasting. The second major time that people would fast is they would fast while they were mourning. Somebody would die. And they would call a community to fast together. And it's such an interesting thing. You actually see this effort to get their bodies, their physical bodies, to align with their soul. My soul aches as I grieve, and so they would align their bodies with that ache. I want to feel physically the same thing that my soul is feeling right now as I grieve this loss. And so they would join fasting and mourning into the same block of time. And then the third type of fast is a fast of spiritual discipline, where people would choose not to eat in an attempt to seek the Lord, to seek his presence, to find a, a depth of connection, to long for him like our bodies long for food. So those are the kinds of fasts that started to take shape. And by the time we get to the New Testament, fasting had become such a regular part of Israel's life that it was the norm for Jews to fast twice a week. They would take two days a week that they would not eat from sunup to sundown a 12-hour fast. The Pharisees were experts at it, and the rest of Israel would try and make that a part of their rhythm. And so there are a couple of passages where Jesus actually goes in and he starts talking about fasting, and again, not commanded, but assumed that it would be a part of the life of the believer. So Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 35. Some people, some Pharisees come to Jesus and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Okay, so Jesus had disciples that were not fasting. They were just going to town on fast days. They were eating Carl's Jr. when the Pharisees were not. I'm guessing that's not true. That's not in the scriptures, but that was the first food that came to my mind when I thought of eating and drinking. Okay, and Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So Jesus, talking about his disciples, said, right now is the time to feast when I am here with them. But when I'm gone, that's when they'll pick up the practice of fasting. And so I just want you to think about that. Again, fasting may not be a part of your regular rhythm, your spiritual disciplines, but Jesus had the expectation that it would be a part of your spiritual disciplines for the block of time from when he left to when he returned, fasting would be a part of the life of the believer. Okay, let's keep going. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches this. He says, and when you fast, again, the assumption do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
So Jesus is teaching here, again, it's not whether we should fast or not fast, but when we're fasting, how should we go about doing that? And he basically tells them, look, if you're going to fast, I want you to put some oil on your head. Take a shower. Don't disfigure your faces. Don't draw attention to the fast. That's what the hypocrites love because they love the attention of their spirituality. They love being known for how holy and how spiritual they are. That's not what I want for you. I want you to fast, but when you fast, don't do it like them. Do it differently. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Just a quick note, when Jesus was teaching about fasting here, he's not insisting that nobody ever know that you're fasting. We encourage fasting as a whole church. We're going to have prayer nights together, worship nights together while we're fasting. We've had community groups that fast together. The idea here is not that all fasting would be done in isolation and secret, but rather if your temptation is to be seen as more holy and so you fast, then to discipline yourself away from that, do your fast in a way that nobody can see it. Because the point is not having the attention drawn on you. The point is actually something much deeper than that. Now, Jesus indicates that there's this sense of reward to fasting, that there's some spiritual benefit to fasting. We'll get to that. We'll talk about that. The storyline of the New Testament fast continues, and there are two times in the book of Acts where fasting is mentioned, just twice. But both times, well, at least the Acts 13, it seems like there's kind of a regular rhythm to fasting. This is Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Remember those names. You'll be quizzed on them later. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, just give him a minute to go by. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What you have is a regular prayer meeting where the prophets and teachers are gathering and they choose to fast and pray. Now, this is a good moment to point out that fasting is a spiritual discipline, not the spiritual discipline, meaning They chose to fast and pray. Oftentimes, there would be fasting in association with some kind of abstinence. People would choose to not wear a certain kind of clothing. They would put on sackcloth. They would put earth on their head. They would would, uh, take on a discipline of humility where they would actually cover their heads in dirt to show their lowliness. But they they would change out of their regular clothing and put on really uncomfortable clothing. Imagine like potato sack races and how uh, abrasive they are, that, that's like a t-shirt. It's a, an abstaining from comfortable clothing kind of situation. And so fasting is often paired with other spiritual disciplines. But here these prophets and teachers, they're gathering, they're fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit breaks in in that moment and speaks to them and sets apart Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. And then in that work, Saul and Barnabas go out and do a bunch of church planting. And then in Acts 14, 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so you get this great situation where elders are being set in and they're fasting and praying as they set these elders in. 
Now, I'm saying all this because I want, I want to show you that when we call you to fast, there's a biblical precedent for fasting, though there's not necessarily a biblical mandate for fasting. When we gather next week, Sunday, we're going to start a church fast together. We're giving options, a five-day, a three-day, and a one-day fast. And these are not uh, degrees of holiness, but they are invitations to challenge yourself to discomfort. You may have fasted before, and we're encouraging you to take a step into more and more of that seeking of God's presence, that longing for his presence. So if you've never fasted, do a one-day fast. Go without food for a day. If you've fasted before and you'd like to stretch and go to three days, we invite you to, to start on Tuesday night and do a three-day fast with us. And if you've fasted like that before and you'd like to do the five-day with us, we want to encourage you to go without food for five days. Now, here's why we're doing this. There's a uh, write-up. Sorry, I'm not seeing Celeste anywhere. So, Ryan, are you here? There. Do we have the, the fast booklets? Did they make it or no? Next week. Okay. Uh, we took some time to put together a uh, booklet for you to walk through over the course of the week. And there are a couple of events that are going to happen. On Sunday night, we're going to gather under the tent for a time of prayer and worship. On Tuesday night, we're going to do an all-Zoom prayer and so we want to encourage you, especially if you're at home, we want to encourage you to be a part of these. These will be opportunities to uh, maintain distance. So even if you are at home and you have not been coming in person, I want to encourage you, if you would be willing to come in person, these are nights where we can meet and pray together. Even if you're not doing the five-day fast, we want to encourage you to join us on Sunday night, on Tuesday night, or on Thursday night. These are opportunities. No expectation that you're at everything, but invitation to all of them. But we're going to gather to pray together while we fast. I want to encourage you to, to step in and join us. Now, here's why. I mentioned it's been a year, a year of difference. As the world gets back to life, I believe God is putting on his people the opportunity to be distinct and different from the world. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the church has taken a bit of a beating over the last year. Uh, I don't know what your news feed looks like, but half of the articles on my news feed, maybe it's my algorithms, say something about the evangelical church being some kind of a disaster. Falling apart, cracking at the seams, people leaving left and right. There's deconstruction happening where people are starting to question the scriptures or question the atonement or question the things of God. And this this momentum seems to be happening at this exact moment where there is an exodus out of the church. People are redefining the church, calling it the public square or calling it, uh, people are saying, I meet Jesus better in nature than I do in church. And they're finding an individual and isolated sense of what it means to be the people of God. And as I look at the scriptures, as I understand what God is calling us to be, his church, his people, we are invited to be different. If you were with us going through 1 Peter, Peter calls us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. 
There is an invitation for us to be distinct. So the question is, how will that play out in your life? Are you willing to take time to seek the Lord's presence and ask him the questions of what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to look like and live like? How will I see my neighbors differently? How will I see my finances differently? How will I see my mission and my purpose here on earth differently? Lord, I want to hear your voice. That's why we're fasting. We want to hear the voice of God together as a church. So we go without food. Now, I know that a lot of you guys have fasted before because I've talked to a lot of you about it. One of the common things that happens in fasting is people at the end of a block of time of not eating food say, yeah, I got really grumpy and I got nothing out of that. Anybody ever had an experience like that before? You fasted? You you go into it feeling like it's going to be this holy glowing experience and you're going to meet the Lord on Mount Sinai and you're going to come down with a glowing face? And all you get out of it is you yelled at your kids, you yelled at your spouse, you yelled at your roommates, you yelled at somebody online, and then you ended your fast in a blaze of glory. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah, okay, good. So often, we find ourselves thinking that by not eating, there should be some direct correlation to automatically experiencing the fullness of the presence of God. Here's the thing. Fasting is is simply not eating. There is no magic in fasting. It's a spiritual discipline if we're seeking the presence of God. If you're not seeking the presence of God, fasting can be anything. Hindus fast, Muslims fast, atheists that like intermittent fasting as a way of dieting fast. Well, also Christians and any other religion that like dieting with intermittent fasting But fasting can just be weight loss. Fasting can be a discipline for anybody, anytime, any place. Fasting is not inherently spiritual. Jesus is inherently spiritual. The only thing that makes fasting worth anything is when we are seeking Jesus in the midst of a fast. And so there are three scriptures that I'm going to encourage you to meditate on. They're all in the books. The the app will have all of these devotions and opportunities for journaling and everything. Three scriptures that we're going to point out. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, John 15, 4, and 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water or for the streams, so my soul pants for you. It's this idea that in the same way that nature craves water, God, my soul craves your very presence. And that's what we're going to be meditating on as we fast. As my body aches, as my head aches, as my neck aches, as my stomach craves food, God, I want to, I want my soul to mimic the way that my body feels right now. I want to long for you. And so the pangs of hunger drive us to hunger for God's presence. So we're going to meditate on Psalm 42. John 15, 4, Jesus is speaking and he says, Abide in me and I will abide in you, for apart from me you can do nothing. 
And we want to meditate on the fact that if we are not attached to the vine, seeking his presence, then there is no fruitfulness in our lives. Apart from Jesus, apart from the vine, we can do nothing. There's no mission. There's no service. There's no prayer. There's no worship. There's none of that that we can bring to the table unless we are attached to the vine of Jesus. So we want to meditate on, I need your presence, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power is from God and not from us. Fasting shows us our frailty. It reveals our weakness. It shows us how dependent we are on food. I'll tell one story about a fast. Uh, in fact, this is just this last Wednesday. I mentioned a few weeks ago that our, our leadership team is fasting on the Wednesdays this month in preparation for our, our fast. And we wanted to pray and even just prepare our hearts for the all-church fast. And I've had some good ones. Wednesday was not good. I thought I had been building up my endurance for fasting. And all day long, all I felt was a headache. I started to get a little bit frustrated with God. I started to find all of these things surfacing in me. Some bitterness, some temptation, some anger. Just between you and me, a little private moment here. What are some things that you think God may have been wanting to deal with in me? Like if there was a counseling session going on right now, what are... What would you identify as things that God might have been just poking at and saying, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to work on some things with you. And so maybe I'll encourage you with this. As far as choosing a fast to participate in, one day, a three day, or a five day, uh, how much weeding needs to take place in your garden? Maybe take a quick look at your backyard and just say, how are the weeds doing right now? Ours needs a lot of work. But one of the things that happens when we fast is that the Lord reveals a lot of the brokenness, a lot of the things that have been deep in us. And right now, as the world is reopening and you are recrafting a life of being connected to the world, if you've got a lot of gunk and junk built up in you and you try and construct a life that goes out on mission, you're not connected to the vine and you're not seeking his presence, but you're out there in the world, that is not the kind of situation that's built for fruit bearing, according to Jesus in John 15. We need this. Church, we need to be connected to Jesus so that we can be a prophetic presence in the world so that the world's experience of what it means to be the people of God is not what the media is portraying as the church but it's that they met you and you are different than what they see in the media. You are different than the picture of the church that they've been reading about in the news. You are different than the evangelical Christians that are represented on Facebook or Twitter. You are different than anybody that they've met that calls themselves a Christian and they want to know what in the world is up with you and you say, I'm filled by the Spirit of God and I'm abiding in His presence. That's not a script. That's an idea. That's just being a person of the presence of God will 
lead us into being a different kind of church for this city. And this city needs a different kind of church. It needs it. This world needs to know that God is real. Left and right, Christians are deconstructing where they're picking apart their faith. They're choosing to walk away from certain doctrines, having trouble believing that the Bible is true, having trouble believing that God would put Jesus on a cross to forgive us our sins, having trouble believing that the resurrection is a real doctrine. People are struggling with core, elemental doctrines of the faith right now. This world needs a people that dive deeper into the things of God and say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he was, that his word is true, and I will carry the presence of God into a hurting and broken world. So we fast and we seek God's presence. Guys, I want to invite you to join us. Again, there's no magic in fasting, and there's no magic in fasting together, but I will say this. When we choose to walk together in community, when we are united in our efforts to pursue God, I believe he's going to work in us. I believe he's going to challenge us and shape us. So take some time this week. Consider preparing yourself for a fast. It's something to have uh, intentionality around. By the way, Kyle, you guys can start coming on up. Fasting is something to be purposeful about. Uh, If you look through the the New Testament and the early church, there was a a different kind of expectation around fasting for uh, moms of children or nursing moms or or families that were previously occupied. A lot of times uh, there would be people in a church that would fast from sunup to sundown, but a nursing mom would join from sunup to lunch. Like, again, it's not law. It's, it's a practice to be invited into, and I want to encourage you to prepare for that. If you need to start switching to decaf now and kind of weaning yourself off of caffeine or something like that, if you need to consider what it might look like to take a day and have your kids covered by a friend so that you can spend a morning praying with the Lord, fasting, and even having just a bit of alone time, if there's some element of choosing to prepare this week, I want to recommend that. Prepare well for the fast, and you'll see greater fruit from it. At the end of a day when you haven't heard the word from the Lord or you haven't gotten anything out of it and you're wondering, should I even be doing this? I want to encourage you. Part of the the process is not just that any and every one of us would hear, but that we as a community would hear from the Lord. So as we fast together and we meet together on Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, we'll gather on Good Friday, we'll break the fast together. We're looking forward to that opportunity to join together here under the tent. These are chances for us to hear what God might be saying to other people, even if he's not speaking to us. And if he is speaking to us, we share it so that we can encourage those who might be missing what God might be saying to them. So I wanted to take some time and teach through why this fast is happening, how you can participate, and what it looks like for us to join together. Let me pray for us, and we're going to spend some time responding to God. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We need your presence in our lives. We need your, we need you, Jesus. This city needs you, and your plan to give yourself to Thousand Oaks is to fill your people and have your people carry your presence into this city. 
And Lord, I pray that we would be a, a church that raises our hands and says, we want more of you, Jesus. We want to be filled by your presence so we can carry your name into a hurting world. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.